Let me read verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you and you will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. May God bless your understanding, the reading, and the application of his infallible, inerrant word. Amen. Monday Thursday, that's a strange sound to Presbyterian ears, or maybe some of you from different church backgrounds, you've never heard the term Monday. Um, it, it, I grew up in the Methodist Church, and we always had Monday Thursday. Um, occasionally somebody would wash somebody's feet, because that's what happens here. Uh, Jesus demonstrates um, what love looks like by condescending to the lowest servant of the household and he washes the disciples feet that's the beginning of this chapter um, but the explanation of monday comes from the passage that we read and in the latin it, uh, it's a latin derivative uh, it, it's from the word mandate we know what uh, mandate means right a commandment. So this is commandment Thursday. It's also, I think it's one day removed from the official Passover of the, of the Jewish people this year. Uh, Eastern Passover always uh, seemed to co coincide to some extent, but closer this year than many years. And <clears throat> The Passover was uh, one of the two great feasts. It's the greatest feast in the nation of Israel. And still, um, the, the thread of the Passover, uh, the theme of the Passover, the deliverance of the children of Israel from the bondage of Egypt by the hand of Moses is a thread that runs through the Bible from the beginning to end. It, it even, uh, we, even in the life of Abraham, you have a precursor of this, right? Even in the life of Abraham, he goes down to Egypt and then he returns. You have it all the way through uh, um, the, the time of the law. You have it all the way through even the prophets. Uh, Biblical scholars think that Isaiah 40 through uh, 55 is really, I, I, Isaiah the prophet is moved by the Holy Spirit to 
have Israel and their impending captivity in Assyria and later Babylon in light of uh, the language of the Passover and their deliverance from um, the bondage and slavery of Egypt and their, their further deliverance from their enemies. I um, was struck again, as I'm always struck with things when you get to visit the land, you see the Bible and you see the places side by side of how intentionally our Lord Jesus mirrored the uh, exit from Egypt and crossing into the promised land from the same side that Moses couldn't come in. Jesus entered almost directly opposite Mount Nebo into the land as he, as he was baptized across the Jordan and then entered into the land across the Jordan at the nearly the very spot that the children of Israel crossed and fought their first battle at Jericho. It's uh, truly uh, amazing to see that and to comprehend it. So this rich, rich feast in the life of Israel, if you've ever uh, participated in one of Stephen Atkinson's Seder meals, or, or Ken Hargis did it for one, one uh, for us one year, you know a demonstration of the Seder. We don't observe the Seder, but we, we have demonstrations of it. Um, you know, it's, it's a very uh, involved ritual. It involves three cups of wine, dipping different morsels, and three, kind, three hidden uh, matzahs, one of them broken. And it's this last uh, uh, part of the meal that Jesus takes that last cup of that meal, that Passover, and he transforms it. He transforms it into the covenant meal that we observe tonight. I was talking to Jay about the, the rich history of the Lord's Supper. I'm glad we moved in our covenant church to more frequent observance of the Lord's Supper. Uh, we have different emphasis from time to time on fencing the table. Um, Jay always does a marvelous job of that. And, and if, if you've yet to be baptized, we, we would, and, and given a profession of faith to the session, we've asked for you to wait. We don't think babies and young children ate the Passover meal. Uh, so we don't admit uh, people who cannot discern and answer the questions, what does this mean? That was the, the youngest Jewish child was assigned the task to ask, what does this mean? And this means that God delivered his people from the bondage of sin. And that's what the Lord's Supper means as we come to this table, which is really really with the Word of God, the center of our worship uh, tonight. And, um, and so we, we ask us, ourselves that question. On the night in which he is betrayed, Jesus is self-consciously fulfilling all the scripture which he, which he gave. <laughs> Just think about that. The word, the, everything that is written in the scriptures came through the uh, word of God. And so Jesus is not shrinking or hiding from 
what lies before him. He knows exactly who he is. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one that his predecessor, John the Baptist, pointed to and said, this is the Lamb of God. Um, he has come to take away the sins of all who put their faith and trust in him. And before he does that, he teaches what is of foremost importance in his mind and heart. And it's the fulfillment. I preached, I know I preached on this um, Sunday and uh, Sunday evening from uh, 1 John, but and it put me in mind to, to go there again because, um, because it's so important. Two things I want you to uh, see from this mandate in verses 31 through 35 tonight. Two things that tell us the reason that Jesus did everything that he did and for what purpose. And the first one is in verse 31 and 32. This is how God most glorifies himself. That's the main reason. The main reason is not your salvation. That is an after effect of God glorifying himself and the Lord Jesus exalting and glorifying himself. Rejoice and be glad if you're a child of God and you put your faith and trust in the substitutionary death of Jesus on your behalf. Rejoice and be glad that you're a part of his plan, but recognize the first and foremost in his plan is that of all the possible ways that he could have glorified himself, he chose this one. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. So, this is the reason. This should be our focus. What, what is our purpose in life? And so often we get uh, involved in the weeds of life and the cares of life and it begins to choke out our faith and we forget that everything that happens happens for this purpose and that is to magnify and exalt and glorify God, His Son, the Lord Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and that He is in absolute control of the circumstances surrounding it. I, if you want one of my pet peeves and you want to irritate me, try to take me to a passion play. Or make me watch one. They make me shudder. Not, not just because of the audacity of anyone putting themselves in the position of represent, representing the perfect Lord Jesus. That, make, that truly makes me shudder. But more than that is how they often, so often come across. They come across as this divine tragedy. Mm. Like there's this, this sorrowful thing that 
Jesus is going to die. You know what's going to happen. It makes you sad. I'm convinced that's one of uh, the reasons my late father-in-law, who, who uh, raised in the trappings of the Roman Catholic Church, I, I think that's, he had, he always would ask me for year after year, why did Jesus have to die? Well, the first answer is he died, he had to die to glorify himself and magnify the Father and the Holy Spirit and to exalt him. And the second application to us is from our perspective is he had to die to save us from hell. There is no other way that he could glorify himself in, in fulfilling his plan of salvation unless he died for us. He demonstrates this in his instruction to Judas. If you look back in just a few verses before what I read about Judas, you'll see that Jesus commanded him to go and do what he was going to do, to do what he must do. He was in complete control of the whole situation and no, no passion play on earth can ever convey this even though it was the height of evil. But the scripture is intent on us understanding uh, this truth. Peter, in his very uh, first sermon after the Lord's ascension into heaven, in Acts uh, chapter 2, verses 22 and 23, makes, makes this so um, clear. Um, that's three. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, this Jesus was delivered up <clears throat> according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified killed by the hands of lawless men. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility are placed side by side. <clears throat> Satan filled the heart of Judas. He betrayed Jesus, thus fulfilling the plan of salvation. Think about that. God saves his people from the most evil act ever performed perpetrated on earth. That's the glory of the gospel that magnifies and exalts the Lord Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. That the scriptures be fulfilled, that the word of God be fulfilled, it says in verses in verse 18. It tells us how in through verse 28. So when we come to this question, what about evil? We all experience evil in our life. Some of us, uh, some of us uh, have just felt it pressing in on us at times. What do you do with that? 
Well, the answer is the cross of Jesus. You take it there. And you remember the gospel that Jesus paid the sin debt you owe fully. And he has left you not alone, but with the presence of the Holy Spirit to sanctify every difficulty and every trial in your life. Which brings us to the last point, which is the main point. How, what does that look like? It looks like love. It looks like the unconditional love of God for sinners that Jesus demonstrates. It looks like service. Jesus showed who shows in the beginning of this chapter who's great when he took uh, the the cloth and the basin and began and took the the the. Uh, the, the job of the lowest servant in the household and begin to wash the disciples' feet. And he showed that this is the way of greatness. This is the way you love people. Our, our mandate is love. Our command is love. A new commandment. A new commandment, as we saw last Sunday, which is old which is from the beginning, a new commandment that you love one another in the same way I've loved you. That applies to us in every relationship. In the marriage relationship first. Husbands love your wives. How, are you, how do you love your wife? You love her like Christ loved the church. You lay down your life for her. You sacrifice yourself for her. Wives, Love your husbands. How do you love your husband? You respect and you honor. It's the key to the marriage relationship. Children, honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. It's a message for a message for us in all of our relationships. Even uh, our, our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. God unites us in a body of believers so that we can learn sacrificial love. And beyond that, to a lost world, to people who are dying in their, in their misery of rebellion against God, to love them patiently and kindly with the love of Christ and love them enough to tell them the truth about who God is and what Jesus has done for sinners. A new commandment that you love one another as I've loved you, you were also, you were also are to love one another. So much so that the people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. You know, we're always thinking about how to reach out, how to reach out to our neighbor, our, our uh, lost relatives and loved ones. One of the most important ways is to love our brother and sister in Christ. And to demonstrate it. And, and to do it in such a way that the world sees it 
and says, I don't have that in me. I don't have that capacity. And, and the truth is, none of us do apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus. The, uh, toward the end of our trip to Israel, we stumbled. I showed the, the uh, slide of our, our guide, Boaz, and his, <laughs> his aggravation at the ultra-Orthodox Jews <laughs> who were making him bind things on his hand and his head. And, he was really frustrated. From there, we, we bounced into the upper room. And the upper room that you see, I've got a picture of it on my Facebook page if you want to see it, but it's, it was written, it was um, built on top of what might have been the upper room um, in, the, in the 15th century. It's this beautiful Gothic uh, structure, not, not from the time of Christ, but you want it to be, but it's not. You've seen pictures of it probably. The Methodists have this little thing called the Upper Room, and they have a picture of that. And, and it's uh, it's a it's a beautiful structure, uh, flying Gothic arches. But the acoustics in there were marvelous, mm -hmm. and truly one of the great highlights. And uh, that's why we're going to sing "Amazing Grace" at the end. Was uh, our little fire somehow miraculously everybody left? Mm -hmm. It was just us five in our little group were left. And, we were able to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it, it was as lovely a version I've ever heard of that. And I felt, what a privilege to sing that in the place where our Lord Jesus demonstrated his amazing grace to us in fulfilling the Passover meal. And then I thought, you know, we do that every Sunday. We do that every time we gather. You don't have to go over there and wade through all that religious stuff and all that old architecture built on top of each other and see all those old rocks, although it's amazing and fascinating. Because Jesus promised that he would be with us and, and he would never leave us and never forsake us. And when we have communion, we have communion not only with our brothers and sisters here present, we have communion with all the saints throughout the world who are gathered tonight to celebrate uh, the Passover that, that God gives the church. Christ is our Passover. Uh, now, let us celebrate the feast and think about what Paul says after he tells us that in 1 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7, Get rid of the leaven. You know, the Jews had to get rid of all the leaven in the house. And uh, they had to search for every bit of it and get it out. They make a game out of it for children. But Paul makes a very serious spiritual application. Get rid of the malice of hate and anger that so easily takes us over. Get rid of it. Clean it out. And rather... Come to the Lord, um, full of the Holy Spirit, in communion with not only our brothers and sisters in Christ here, around the world, and those in heaven, but with Christ himself, because that's what we're called to. That's, that's, um, think about that and meditate upon it tonight as we, as we go to our homes, uh, what Jesus did for us this time so many years ago.
Father, thank you for the opportunity to worship you according to your word. Thank you uh, for this celebration of the Lord's Supper. Many of our churches long ago in Scotland just celebrated it once a year at this time. Thank you that uh, we've, we, we have regular opportunities to celebrate it almost every Sunday, including this Sunday night again. But we do thank you for this special time tonight that unites us with brothers and sisters from, from different um, fellowships through our town, through our state, through our nation. How desperately we need uh, to convey the message of unconditional love uh, to a world that's full of hate and anger and bitterness and strife. Father, we pray for that uh, now in us to cleanse us, help us to get rid of the leaven of malice and hatred and anger, uh, unrighteous anger. Help us, help us to be filled with the love of Jesus uh, uh, for all those for whom Christ died and for those who have yet to understand their need for a Savior. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>